0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Success Harbor podcast with George Mazaros where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi everyone, this is George Mazaros with Success Harbor and I have with me Justin Cook, the man behind empireflippers.com. Welcome.
1: Thanks so much for having me on George, I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for being here Justin. Can you tell me what you did before starting Empire Flippers? How did you get into that business, and you know what kind of business background you have prior to that?
1: Yeah, so I, you know, my business partner and I had kind of a weird business trajectory, and uh, it's always interesting hearing kind of the backstory that <laughs> led you to where you are. Um, we'd had a real estate companies back in 2004, 2005, a mortgage company in the U.S., and things were going really well for us um, until they weren't. So the mortgage industry ended up crashing. During that time, we'd worked with a virtual assistant in the Philippines, and she was fantastic. So even though our business went out of business with you know the mortgage issues in California, um, she was fantastic, and she'd done some great work for us. So I had to go get a job. After this entrepreneurial venture, I was stuck going back working for the man. So I went to go work as a mid-level manager for an internet marketing company, and I ended up getting Joe to work over there, too. And and they were growing like crazy. They went from I think like 50 or 60,000 a month to at their peak almost a million dollars a month in revenue. So they were, you know, we were hiring warm bodies <laughs> any, any way we could get them and they had a real need to scale. So we ended up presenting an option to them to, you know, hire some virtual assistants or to build a team out in the Philippines. So Joe and I, you know, on a napkin math at a bar <laughs> over a couple of beers kind of sketched out a plan for setting up our own company. In the Philippines and, uh, you know, outsourcing ourselves. And so we, we actually made it a little nicer and, and put it on PowerPoint and everything and went into our CEO, CFO, pitched them the idea on cost savings. Um, they dug it and we ended up setting up a corporation in the Philippines and then flying out to Southeast Asia to help them grow their business on this side of the world.
0: Okay. Now you mentioned that you, after having a successful uh, real estate and mortgage career, you had to get a job. Tell me how that felt. How how, we, how did you feel at that point? Ah, uh, well, it sucked, and I I felt pretty horrible.
1: I, it, it's it's really it was frustrating because I was still relatively I was younger at that time, and you know I'd say the mortgage company was my kind of first bigger entrepreneurial venture, and to have that fail, you know, I felt like it was a failure on my part. Looking back, I realized, you know, it was really helpful for me because I realized that the worst wasn't that bad. So, you know, us going out of business and having to go get a job wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be. Um, and then I think I was actually after, after uh, you know, losing our company, going to get a job, I felt a bit relieved because as an entrepreneur, you have to wear so many different hats, right? I mean, you're constantly, you're doing uh, accounting, you're doing lead gen, your management, your everything, and so being able to back off a little bit and just take a, you know a piece of the company and own that piece actually was a nice it was almost like a break. So you know being able to, to focus in on like one piece of a business instead of all the aspects of a business, I, I needed that. I needed to kind of break from you know, all the stresses that come with being an entrepreneur and, and, and you know, take a break for a bit with a company.
0: So it's actually not even a bad thing long term, right? To kind of regroup if something happens, you know, it's a failure. But I, I like the word experiment. I think Google uses the word experiment when they have a failure. They don't. They don't use that language. I wish I wish I would have felt like it was an experiment at the time.
1: <laughs> <I felt like laughs> it was a failure. But like, yeah, looking back at it now is a fantastic learning experience. And and I think you know that that bug kept biting me, right? You know, Joe and I were. Working for this this company, this internet marketing company, at based out of California, and and uh, we saw this opportunity and we had to take it. Right, we said, you know, we knew that we we'd both traveled the world a bit um, beforehand, and and you know, having the opportunity to kind of build our own business in kind of a foreign land sounded so exciting. And and most people, you know, I think don't take that if they have an opportunity to, to make a move like that, they don't because uh, it's it's a little scary. But we were just in the, you know the right position and. And And snatched it, so we ended up moving to the Philippines, setting up an outsourcing company here that worked with clients doing kind of back office kind of process, not no call center stuff, mostly just internet and copy and paste and lead generation stuff and that did okay that was a nice lifestyle business and then we kind of got our I guess our internet break um, when we started a company called or I guess a brand called Adsense Flippers, which then you know turned into Empire flippers um, our main our main client ended up cutting back on us. So this, this previous employer started to cut back an employees. So we were adding new clients and losing with them. And we weren't adding as fast as they were taking away. Finally, they cut everyone. They, they did a final cut where like, they dumped us. And we had all these agents that were smart, talented, and trained. And we didn't want to do a big round of layoffs. So we tested a few different things. And we started building these small little sites, uh, you know, these AdSense monetized sites, and, uh, and thought we'd, you know, we'd try that out and see if we could just cover their costs until we could get them a real job or a real client. Um, that turned into being like a major part of our business, surprisingly. Um, we, we started blogging about it and just telling people exactly what we did with building these small niche sites and it really resonated with people. We were very transparent where we hadn't been before. we kind of hidden behind kind of this you know, like faux corporate shield, you whether know, this is Tri-BPO, or outsourcing company, we're an organization over here, but then with the blogging about it, we're just a couple of guys that don't know everything and we're doing our best to see, see if we can hustle up some business. And it really resonated with people. And that's kind of when we started to take off in terms of like blog traffic and podcasts, um, you know, started getting, you know, much more, I say, attraction in the kind of niche site creation and, and uh, make money online uh, space. Okay. Now,
0: you, uh, so you still own this outsourcing company as well. Uh, if if I understand correctly, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. So we and still. It, yeah.
0: But you want to sell it at this point, or you made a decision to sell? Am I am I correct on that? That's
1: right. So we're looking to sell our outsourcing company. We're really moving forward with Empire Flavors. We've got this huge opportunity where we've been working with people and helping them buy and sell sites. So we have you know a, a network of people looking to increase their portfolio investments on the internet, and that's through you know buying you know, established profitable sites making 1000 thousand, two thousand, five thousand $2,000, $5,000 a month. And then on the other side, we have a bunch of people that have seen what we do and are absolutely looking to cash in on some of the sites that they've created over the last couple of years and, you know, see if they can take that cash and roll it into, you know, a new project that they want to open up. And so there's just, there's this huge market that I think is underserved uh, with players like, you know, Flippa. Uh, Flippa is like the eBay for buying and selling websites. And And there's a lot of frustration with Flippa, and I think there's a, a huge gap in the market that we can take on. So we want to devote all of our resources, energy, time, money
0: into that marketplace and that market because there's just such opportunity there. And, you know, uh, one more question about your outsourcing, and then I have several questions about uh, Empire Flippers and buying selling sites. But you mentioned uh, that uh, you went too broad with your outsourcing company. How how did you go too broad, and, and how did you realize that?
1: Yeah, so early on, we were willing to be anything to everybody, right? So if you needed outsourcers, like as nebulous as that sounds, we could do it. And the problem is, is that we were taking on clients that weren't a great fit. So we would take on clients that, you know, maybe we couldn't do the best work for or that they didn't really have their process locked down very tight. And we said, oh, we'll help them figure it out. So we ended up with like huge costs up front and we'd have clients that didn't really stick around very long. So maybe three months, four months. And it was either our fault or theirs. But we kind of went through this like customer churn that was just too high. And so it was it was we realized that we it was a big realization, actually, that we need to say no a hell of a lot more. So we need to tell customers no or like quickly shut off like the, the sales process and say, nope, not a good fit for us. Nope, not a good fit for us. And I think us going way too broad kind of led us to that conclusion. Um, so, we need to you know not accept all these clients if I had to do it over again, I would absolutely focus in on one particular niche so I would help uh, let 's say I would build you know a WordPress websites for dentists I would really niche it down and i 'd have a site that 's specifically tailored to marketing and and uh, you know building websites for dentists and that kind of thing it'd be much more niche um, because I think just being an outsourced company is entirely too broad i mean you know, at the time we were thinking, oh, it's a you know, multi-billion dollar industry. If we can get, you know, that, that entrepreneurial thing, if we can get 1% of that market, right? Yeah. But there, there are numbers less than 1%, unfortunately. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, that just, it's not it's not a great approach. It's much better to own a market or own a niche. And that's what we found with Ads and Slippers and then Empire Flippers, that when we own a niche, it's, it's a much better position to be in. Um, and your customers are better. Uh, your brand is better, and it's a, just a better approach
0: overall. So what is it that um, that you saw when you started Empire Flippers or before even that wasn't met in the marketplace in terms of the service that you're providing now? What specific so we, things? So we noticed that a
1: lot of people um, were selling websites on Flippa, and they were a lot of times going for like, let's say, 8X to 12X. And what I mean by X is... 8X would be eight times monthly net profit. And so that seemed pretty low to us. That was pretty odd that you could buy a business at 8X. And when we started realizing where the reason those numbers were so low is that there's a lot selling at 3X or 5X, really, really low. They turned out to be a lot of scams. So there's a lot of people running scams on, you know, just kind of, you know, trumped up uh, sites, sites with fake earnings, that kind of thing. And it really brought the average down. We realized when we would sell, they generally go somewhere between eighteen and twenty-four x, so anywhere from a year and a half to two years net profit, which seemed a bit more reasonable. But it was hard to find those sites with all the rest of the stuff that was on Flippa. Um, we realized that you know there are buyers out there willing to pay that definitely, and 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 would like to avoid the hassle of all the you know I guess scammy or sketchier sites that are out there. So. You know, we created uh, Empire Flippers as a brokerage, basically, and we do vetting. So, you know, sites have to pass you know, a bunch of different criteria to even be listed with us, and that saves our buyers time, and they're willing to pay, you know, a premium for it, I guess you could say, um, because it's worth
0: it to them. What are some of those criterias? What would you say maybe the top two or three that you look at?
1: So this is going to sound kind of odd. Um, but we've bet, we bet both the seller and the site itself, and the seller is, the, is a great place to start. So uh, generally, when someone's trying to scam or do something sketchy, they definitely don't want to share their real identity. So things like their real Facebook page, um, things like their real LinkedIn account, their actual email address, these are things they try to avoid. So you know, either they won't use social media profiles at all, or they'll have fake ones where they have you know, fake friends and comments and stuff. We've seen some, some (laughs) crazy stuff, but just vetting the seller and making sure you're doing business with a real person and that, you know, their real name and who they really are is like cuts out a, a, a large portion of the scammers, um, right there. So not everyone who doesn't have a social media profile, um, is a scammer necessarily. I'm not far, I'm definitely not saying that, but most of the scammers won't have that or aren't willing to share their real identity, so that's a big one um, and that sounds that sounds crazy, but it's it's generally true now after that you still have the scammers that I guess are a bit more bold and aren't aren't shy sharing their real information and then you look for things like um, uh earnings so sometimes they'll have uh let's say for example that it is a uh a service-based site. So they sell Twitter followers or something. And you'll see there, they'll show a PayPal screenshot where it has, you know, payments for 279, 279, 179, 279. You're like, oh, this site is selling a bunch of, you know, uh, Twitter followers. Well, the problem is, and what they don't tell you is that they have 15, 20 sites um, that are out there doing this. So they're attributing all of those sales at that weird, funky price point to this one site. So they may be completely different sites selling different things, but they're all going into one PayPal account and making it look like that site is producing those earnings. Um, So it's things like that. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of little tricks, definitely Mm -hmm. some traffic and bot uh, tricks that people use, which can help if you know how to read analytics or, uh, you know, uh, Google analytics or clicky.com is a good alternative as well.
0: So Empire Flippers is about selling websites. What Websites are the easiest to sell in 2014. What what would you say that if you could get 100 of these websites tomorrow, they would be awesome for for the buyers and also for Empire Flippers? So uh,
1: first I'll say generally, and then I'll go very specific. So generally, uh, any sites that are built on platforms or using monetization strategies that are easily transferable. So for example, WordPress is a heck of a lot better than some HTML site. Um, simply because most people know how to use WordPress. And so if they need to update the content or make changes, it, it's much more likely that they're familiar with WordPress. Uh, if the monetization strategy is, you know, AdSense or Amazon, that's going to be a lot easier for a buyer to get approved for. If you, and something that might be difficult is if there are like some serious technical requirements to the site uh, that, you know, maybe, you know, 5% of the average, you know, the, the everyday public could actually do or run. That's obviously going to limit your buying pool. So if you have a limited buyer pool, you can still sell the site. It just might take a little longer to find like the right buyer that's going to be able to do it. So to be more specific, though, like the sites we're, at, we're you know looking for uh, right now are, um, I'd say, a stable AdSense sites that have uh, that are more than a year old, um, that have anywhere from three hundred bucks a month in in revenue up to $5,000, 6000 a month. Those tend to go really quickly because of limited work involved. Um, I'd say dropshipping sites are great. Uh, so any dropshipping sites over a year old that's lived through some of the updates. Um, uh, because, again, because of some of the limited work involved. Uh, e-commerce and service-based sites uh, work as well. It's a lot more helpful, though, if you have detailed processes on how you you know, source the goods, kind of who takes care of what. If you have VAs uh, doing the work um, and actually processing the orders, um, that's really helpful. And if you have all that documented, that's helpful as well. So really you want to make it as as, uh, frictionless as possible to transfer your sold site to the buyer. Um, Those are the types of sites that the buyers are looking for. Now, if there's something, if it's not exactly right in the box, that's okay because different buyers have different goals, right? Like one is a portfolio guy. Let's say he's a VP. He's making two fifty a year. He's he's got plenty of cash. His problem is time. He's working seventy hour work weeks. So he wants sites that, you know, in his portfolio that are very little work. Whereas another guy, he's a tinkerer. Like he wants to play with it. He's looking to get buy five or six sites so he can go to Bali, sit on the beach, and you know, mess with his WordPress site. So he wants sites he can dig into and work four hours a week on uh, (laughs) in Bali. So it's really going to depend and. And, you know, I think being straight up and completely transparent um, about your businesses allow us to find just the right buyer for your site.
0: Now, do you look at email lists and social accounts uh, when you look at the value or when you value sites? So
1: ultimately, the, the, the biggest uh, thing to your value is going to be your net profit. So if you let me let me say this, for example. if you have an AdSense site and you're collecting email addresses. now, email lists are fantastic, and they could be definitely be monetized and everything. but if you let's say you just added it three months ago or six months ago, and you're losing some uh, monetization because of that, that's not a good idea. So if you're six months away from a sale and you're thinking, oh, I should try to build an email list. Uh, on my this AdSense site, let me add email, you know, an email subscription box. But if it's taking away from your revenue, it's not worth it. You should maximize your net profit, and that's going to give you the highest value. Now, if your site has you know a very strong email list, and you're selling to that email list, and that's your that's obviously part of your revenue now, that's going to be a valuable piece. But again, it comes back to you know net profit. So. Is your business profitable? That's going to be the, the the best test of how healthy your website or your business is.
0: And how do you deal with people that just overprice their web properties? I mean, I look at businesses for sale all the time, and people have some crazy ideas of what their businesses worth. How do you how do you deal with that? I'm sure you had that experience in real estate too. You know, how do you give people a realistic idea of how much they can get for their web property? Uh, tenderly, George, and with soft gloves.
1: <laughs> so, you know, we just we, we talk to them and say, look, you know, a, a lot of times it's their baby. So, someone built this from the ground up and they put blood, sweat, and tears into it. You know, they put all this work into it and they're like, you know, no, I know it's worth more than this. And so, you know, we sit down with them and explain to them kind of how the market values sites. We get people all the time that, that bring us sites and they say, look, we've done all this back end work. Um, it's not where we're pre money, we haven't monetized yet, uh, but we did all this back and work and it's worth so much because I put all this work and effort into it. And, you know, I, I appreciate that, but it's not worth very much from an investor's perspective or from a buyer's perspective generally. Now, every once in a while, I come across one where they actually did do all this really interesting work. That's interesting in like a strategic acquisition from one of their competitors, but that's so rare. It, it's not typical. Um, you know, you may be in that situation, but it's rare. Mostly people think that their time was worth something inherently and it's not, it's really the the net profit in the site. So, you know, sometimes people say, you know, I want to get, you know, a hundred X on my website too. And we have to explain to them that, look, you know, that's not, the, that's not what buyers are looking for. That's not the way it works. And, and they either go with us or they don't. Um, but generally, you know, if they go somewhere else and they, they ask a few people or they ask around, they, they find out that, well, yeah, okay, I, I guess you guys were, were a little closer to evaluation, or they decide to keep it, uh, which happens too. So you know, someone that's looking to sell their site, uh, they may change their mind, decide to hold on to it. We've had that where um, the site's still growing significantly, and we've advised the sellers, look, love to sell the site for you, but you might want to wait a good three to six months and kind of like you're in a real growth spurt. And you might be losing out on value. Sure, the buyer would love to take that upside, but why don't you kind of like let it settle out a bit, kind of see what the changes you made, what happens there, and then come back and you'll get a better valuation.
0: You know, I mean, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth or give you any business ideas, but do you guys have a program where I could go to, or let's say this, this person, you know, they built something, they put a lot of hours into it, but they're, they're pre-revenue where you could like take them through the next 12 months and actually help them grow the business and then sell on the side? Because I think maybe a lot of people need that help as well.
1: Anyway, it's just, it's just, a, it's just a thought. No, it's really interesting. But the problem is, is that we would get so many that probably wouldn't be the best use of our time and mm-hmm. probably wasn't the best use of their time to build out either. And so having to have those conversations and kind of do the due diligence behind the scenes to pick the ones that we think are winners, I think would be... It'd be a hell of a lot of like upfront work. I yeah. think you, you might end up getting that one or two winners that gives you, you know, it's like twenty x uh, value. Like where the time you put in is, is worth you know, twenty times what what it would have been worth otherwise. But it's it's too speculative from our perspective. Not for a business. Um, maybe as a hobby
0: <laughs> that yeah. would be fun. Um, <laughs>
1: okay. That would because it sounds interesting. It sounds fun to do, but not I think not for a business. One one thing we are looking at doing. Uh, and this will be happening soon, is um, where we, let's say a buyer buys a site from us, and we're going to allow them to basically partner with us, where we'll retain, it's their site, uh, they own it, but we'll retain some access to the site, and so we'll take half the, I haven't exactly figured this out, we're still working out the details, but we take a portion of the profit we reinvest some of that profit back in the site, and we run and maintain it. So you have a, a completely passive investor that has purchased the site. We build it out over the next twelve to twenty-four months, and then we, you know, hopefully we'll get, you know, get it to two x or three x where it is when they bought it, and then flip that for them at a nice uh, return. So we're, we're working on something like that, which may turn into like, you know, uh, funds where like people can pool their money. We can buy like a diversified you know, asset portfolio, but that's, Yeah. That's, sounds that's interesting. Ahead of sounds yeah like I mean, a lot of opportunities in this there area. Is. See, it's so new, like it's so early that, you know, there's not a lot of people doing all these things that have been done in other industries that are somewhat similar. So the financial
0: industry or uh, the property management a little bit, you know, it made me think yeah. a little bit about property management for, for web, web properties. Yes, absolutely. So, so tell me, how do you drive traffic to, to empire flippers? Uh, what, what is your maybe top two or three strategies? So um, top strategies. I mean, I, I, we
1: don't do a whole lot of like, you know, article writing or, you know, like paying for guest posts or having people guest posts or anything. Really, I, I think it's connecting with other people in our space. So. You know, we we have a podcast, and so we get. Other so, people. who
0: are your people in the in? You said connecting to other people in yeah. in, in what, what space? Is it just general entrepreneur or people you know buying businesses, selling businesses? What
1: what is that area? I wish it was more strategic, but it's people that we like, honestly. Like so, so like, we like <laughs> some people, like the expat entrepreneur crowd. Like we like the guys over at Tropical MBA, for example, and so we connect with them and. And you know, uh, we we kind of draft them. So you know, our success is theirs, and theirs is ours. You know, the niche site space is guys like Spencer Hawes over at Niche Pursuits. It's guys like uh, John Haver, Authority Website Income, Tongue from CloudLiving.com. These guys, you know, we talk to them regularly, and and we comment back and forth, and we're you know, we we share each other's information because we think it's interesting, and we like each other. And the, the buying and selling space is guys like Justin at over at uh, Flip Filter. Dot com. It's guys like Brian over at Centurica.com, and we're sharing each other's information um, because we know that you know, these guys are legit. They like us, and, uh, and it tends to work. When we started off, though, I'll say when we first started AdSense Flippers, I think this may be more helpful for your listeners. Um, we, we actually we were much more strategic about it, and we had uh, you know, spreadsheets. Of blogs and people that we wanted to connect with in the space or near our space and entrepreneurship, and we would make a point of commenting on them and so like every week, like Joe and I would trade off on commenting on these blogs and starting to kind of like build up relationships. We did the same thing for forums um, and just would go in there and like you know, leave a comment that we hope is helpful, uh, leave a post that we hope is helpful, share our tips and ideas and and by not being Spammy, you know, and leaving a comment saying, hey, come check out Empire Flippers. Like, that would be n- not so good. But just what was,
0: what was the length? I mean, for example, for somebody that's, uh, that's a, a, a small business, how, how long should that list be? And um, can you outsource that?
1: I think no, I don't think so. Because any outsourcers generally, we ask for comments, are not going to know their business as well, they're not going to know your business as well. And we're not doing it just so that people can sometimes click on our name. We're doing it so we can connect with the other bloggers, the other podcasters, and like really build a, a connection. Like get to know each other, have phone calls and hang out when we're, you know, when we're around or when we're in the same city. So I don't think you can do that with an outsourcer nearly as well as you can do it yourself. I think that's worth doing yourself if you're looking to build connections. If you're just looking for people to drop comments, so you can get links back, and so you get some traffic. Sure, you can outsource that, but I, I'm not sure that's terribly effective. Um, and
0: you had maybe fifty, a hundred, a 1, thousand. How many? How many do you think is a realistic way for you to to build real collect connections with people? Oh God, way
1: less than that. Uh, Twenty maximum, I'd say is probably closer to ten to fifteen. Um, so it's like a really tight, you know, tighter, tighter, you know, circle or. Or list um, than like you know five hundred or something. No, 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 we were targeting very specific people that that were we like their content. We thought they were interesting. We're happy to share it on our site, and we'd like to connect with them because we think they're doing good business, and and we see some like I guess for lack of a better word, synergy between our businesses. And I think your listeners can do a similar thing as well. And instead of trying to, you know, compete with these other people that are in their niche and and try hold back links and try to hold back mentions. You know they can go over to these people and start, "Hey, look, love what you're doing. This is really interesting." For the people that are that are doing well, for the people that aren't, you uh, ignore them or call them out on your blog and, and say why they're not doing well. And you know that's I think a I think it's an effective strategy because that's you know they're going to end up sharing your information if they like you as well. And it tends to be a better approach. One one thing we did I think is fantastic, and this isn't so much for traffic, but it's for um, authority. Is a podcast so. You know, your listeners can tell pretty quickly whether your guests or whether you are you know completely full of it or not. You know it doesn't take them very long, mm-hmm. so they're going to know whether or not um, that person kind of knows what they're talking about, especially if they are in the space or know it. Um, so podcasting is a great way for people to tell like quickly, and it's not the same with writing where I can have it edited and I got plenty of time to try to figure out what I want to say. On a podcast, it's much more rush, and, and what it does is it helps. It helps move people down the value funnel. So maybe they start off as kind of like a casual reader and then they read another blog post as they liked it. They listen to your podcast and now they're starting to become a fan. They listen to a couple of podcasts. They start to listening to all your podcasts. Now they're a super fan. So these are the kind of people that are going to tell their friends. They're going to you know tweet about you. They're going to mention you in private forums where you don't even know about it um, because you're you know connecting with them in a way. Um, that brings them really close. That helps you know them understand your business. Uh, another thing about podcasting is that it really helps uh, your customers self-select you. So a lot of times sales can be kind of a, a pain in the ass when you know you're you're two separate parties like butting heads or trying to work out a deal. But it's much easier when they know you and kind of know the way you operate and they chose to do business with you. Oh my God, it's so much easier. So. We have customers that are like, oh, I love your podcast about this. I kind of consider myself this way. Do you have any sites that might be available for me? And I say, you know, I don't think so, not at the moment, but we'll, you know, we'll try as soon as we get one. I'll make sure I let you know. And just really simple and easy transaction because they've already self-selected. If anything, it's now our turn to determine whether we want to work with a seller or buyer. And that's, a, that's you know, the the poll marketing is a hell of a lot easier than trying to get your name out there by cold calling or, you know and, and this isn't something you can do right away but over time I think your content your written content and your podcast content can bring in the types of leads that you just you just can't buy with paid traffic or other sources
0: you you have a, a very interesting post on your on your blog on the Empire flippers uh, blog about targeting your nemesis and stealing market share can you share share some uh, tactics to do this
1: yeah um, I remember the podcast so you know one of the things you can do is uh, when you're you're looking at your, uh, your nemesis or your, uh, the person that you're going up against is you can call them out. Um, it doesn't have to be like this horrible thing where you're, you know, you're, you're going to war with them. Uh, but it can be kind of like a competition where uh, let's say that there's, you know, you're, you're building a, a brand new SAS app and someone else has another, like either similar or kind of like parallel app. And you can, you know, do a let's say a monthly income report or talk about your monthly run rate and invite them to a challenge, right? So you're trying to challenge them, and say, look, by the end of the year, I'm going to have fifteen thousand monthly run rate. You know, I, I I challenge you to see if you can hit the same thing. And so now you're kind of battling back and forth and and linking to each other and and your readers and other people that are following along are going to really appreciate that. So you're targeting your nemesis, but you're making it kind of into a I guess a friendly. Um, a friendly battle, right? And so you see a lot of people do this with like niche site duels. Um, you see, uh, I think Dan Norris is doing it over at WP curve, uh, our buddy at Lynchpin, Dan uh, Damien from lynchpin.net. They're kind of battling it out. Who can get the, the highest monthly run rate by the end of the year. Um, but it makes for good content. It makes for good content for your readers and listeners. And I think it really helps drive you as well. Um, Cause you want to take out your nemesis. You want to take them down. So Having someone that you're chasing is helpful. We we always had uh, with our monthly reports. We had Pat Flynn in our sites. He didn't know it, but um, you know, we we saw what he was doing with his monthly reports. Thought, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder if we can get there too. And so we worked and worked, and we never did. Um, I think we might have beat him a couple of months, uh, but his net profit is is tremendous. And and it but it was a fun it was a fun challenge for us to try to I guess you know take on a market leader. Like that and our new our new nemesis is definitely flippa so we're we're going after flippa and I think we're never going to be i think we're not going to do the volume that flippa does simply because they they sell so many sites like in the sub one thousand or sub two thousand space um, so we 're not going to do the volume of sites but i'm I'm hoping we can put a nice little uh chink in there you know established profitable sites in the ten thousand to two hundred thousand dollar space and i think uh, that's what we're really going to do this year
0: you uh you mentioned um uh, limit limit your points of failure. What steps can you take to do this, or what steps do you take in your business to to limit your points of failure? One of the things we we do is we we
1: call it here in the Philippines is the hit by the jeepney problem. So you know in the Philippines one of the modes of transportation is the jeepney. It's like this old like World War II looking kind of beast of a vehicle that everyone drives around. And it's kind of like their public bus system. So when you get hit by a jeepney, me, uh, what we mean is that, you know, we have one of our agents out one day that's a critical piece of our business. He's walking down the street and all of a sudden he's smacked by a jeepney and and dies and, and takes all of, you know, uh, what takes down <laughs> his family's sad. We're all sad. But he also takes a critical piece of our business with him. That would be a problem for us. Right. So we have a critical point of failure in that that information is, you know, only inside of one person's head. So what we do is we make sure that we're doubling up. So if we have VAs working on a particular project or team members working on a project, we make sure that there are multiple people that are sharing information so that there's not one, you know, piece and one point of failure. It's also important to like be a, take a very objective look at your business and look at where your bottlenecks are. Like we know right now one of our bottlenecks to growth uh, is finding sellers and, you know, their um sites for sale that will pass our vetting process that we can list in our marketplace. If we could sell more, if we had more sites for sale, I'm sure we would be able to sell more. We have more buyers than we do sellers right now, so that's a problem we're looking to fix over the next couple of weeks and months, um, you know, because it's an interesting part of having a marketplace is, you know, you've got two customers, you've got two sides of the coin, and right now ours is seller, so that's something that we're working on, um, so that's no longer, you know, our bottleneck.
0: Okay. Well, you know, we we went over, uh, 30 minutes. I have other questions, but I'm going to respect that, uh, that half an hour time. How can people connect with you? Um, uh, where should they go to connect with you? Or maybe, uh, you know, obviously Empire Flippers, but, uh, any, any other thing that's going on or uh, the best yeah, way for them to connect you is. How?
1: Yeah, you can check us out, obviously, EmpireFlippers.com. We've got a podcast uh, on iTunes, Empire Flippers Podcast. I tweet, so if you want to check me out, it's at Empire Flippers.
0: Sounds good. I really appreciate your time, uh, everyone. Make sure you check EmpireFlippers.com out. And again, Justin, thank you for your time. And hopefully we can do this again in a year, see how Empire Flipper goes then. Awesome, George. Sounds fantastic. Thanks for having me on, man. Thank you.